Well, hello, ladies and gents. Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com. I hope you're having a wonderful, amazing day. I've got special guest Sahil from Headbangers Kitchen on today. I've had him on the podcast in the past, but it's been like two years. I wanted to just kind of catch up with him, see what he's got going on now. Sahil is a very unique, very interesting guy. He, he's a heavy metal, death metal uh, singer, but he's also a master magician in the kitchen with all things uh, delicious meals. I mean, keto meals, non-keto meals. He's just a freaking wizard when it comes to cooking. So I had him on the show. We dove into what got him into music, what got him into cooking, where he's taking that going forward. And then we also did a deep dive into just kind of like the current state of affairs in the world right now, globally. He's in India. I'm obviously in America. I kind of wanted to get his take on what's going on there from like a political standpoint, from a COVID standpoint. So it's just cool to get his perspective on what all's happening. We, I don't want anybody to live in a bubble. I don't want anybody to be stuck in their own echo chamber, their own information silo, and not gain perspective outside of that. So it was cool to just pick his brain as to what's going on in that part of the world. So hope you enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. Sahil is an amazing guy, and I thoroughly enjoyed the podcast. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and tune in. You're live, Sahil. How are you, brother? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well, man. You are on the other side of the world right now. Um, what time is it over there? It's about 9 p.m. in the evening right now. 9 p.m. in the evening, 9.30 a.m. here. Where are you located again? Remind me. <laughs> I'm in Bombay, India. Bombay, India. Very nice. You are yeah. the brains behind Headbangers Kitchen. And I got to admit, man, I've there's like so many different you know, keto recipe, uh, you know, websites out there, cookbooks out there, vlogs out there, blogs out there, but you have a very unique touch on everything. I was cruising on your website, uh, this morning and I can, I can look and how to get a caprese salad made with a lot of flavor. And then right down the page, I can jam to some hardcore heavy metal rock and roll, which is not often found (laughs) in the same spot. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) So I, I want to talk a little bit about your backstory, man. I've had you on the podcast before. It's been about two years now since we recorded. Um, we kind of dove into your your story, your history back then, but I'd love to kind of just bring that to the forefront again and just give me a little background on the, to you, how you got into the keto space, how you got into the, the rock and roll, but then I want to also kind of talk about some of the, the new and current events that have happened since we last recorded, but for anybody that does not know you or hadn't heard the first episode, give us a little background, brother. Sure. So, um... I'm first and foremost a musician, a death metal musician to be particular. Uh, And I started uh, writing music about 22 years ago when I got into heavy metal music. And I just kind of fell in love with that. And uh, literally it was, it spoke to me and, you know, it, it, I mean, it's, it's rare to have such a clear goal, uh, in your mind at 16, you know, like I just like, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's literally been the thing I've pursued for the last 22 years. In fact, I think more than 50% of my life has been spent as a metal musician. Um, And somewhere along the way, um, you know, Headbangers Kitchen started. So a little backstory is that I've always loved food. I've loved cooking um, and it was a hobby of mine. I actually wanted to be a chef at one point. But once I discovered music, everything else took a back seat. But, you know, food is something that 
you can never remove from your life because you got to eat right mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh i was always cooking and always involved in in like making food and i started sort of uh, blogging about it on facebook back in the early days around 2007 and then um you know youtube was starting to become popular in india because broadband connections were more um, you know easily accessible to people and just from watching a lot of food channels like epic meal time and the barbecue pit boys uh, i found sort of inspiration to kind of shoot video uh, of my recipes at that point and because everything i did in my life was revolving around the music headbangers kitchen was a heavy metal cooking show where i would cook a dish uh, for a heavy metal band who i would interview on the show and then feed them that dish uh, and you know it would all tie into working towards promoting my music because you know people would watch the show they'd be fans of the band i was interviewing they'd probably be curious to check out my music and you know i mean it was all kind of uh, interconnected in in one way or another to the music that i was making and i did this format of the show for about 4 years or so before you know the lack of viewership and the lack of money from youtube itself kind of just made me think that you know what i could spend my time and resources better so i said i'm done with this but since i did still love cooking and enjoy cooking i decided to make simpler videos you know things that i could film on my own because prior to this i was filming with a crew and i had to move things around and blah 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 mm-hmm. so once i started once i started doing this i kind of reignited that passion for cooking and making the videos and it, it was all at my convenience so uh, i think when you do something like that you you enjoy it more there's no pressure from anyone or you know there's no audience that you're pandering to that you know like they expect this of me um and i was doing that and because i was on the keto diet i started making keto videos and um, even though i didn't do the keto diet for very long i did it for 3 months the videos that i did during those 3 months were really taking off and i think this was around 2016 early 2016 i don't think there was any keto channel at that point that was doing recipes specifically mm-hmm. and that was making making them and i am not touting my own horn or anything but that was making them of a certain quality you know mm-hmm. uh i i think that's that also played a big role because most of the keto videos i was watching when i was trying to get ideas for food and all everything looked like it was shot in like a a din, dingy dark room and looked like a horror movie you know yeah, <laughs> rather totally. than something something you want to eat i think at that point the only like big name in keto i can remember is this guy called caveman keto Mm-hmm. uh who i don't think does videos anymore but his videos were around and i i think i was just right time right place right content and uh you know it just took off from then as i got more and more keto uh, recipe requests i just kind of dove head first into keto as my lifestyle of choice and also what i wanted to do with the channel so that's the story in a nutshell i love it man like it's it's cool to see how like for for me you know keto diet you know training is obviously a massive passion but business and branding is like my other massive passion and I, it's it's cool for me to be able to talk with other you know entrepreneurs other creatives that have built a brand by simply intertwining intertwining their passions in life like you know at the onset most people are going to you know if you were to you know pitch a a business idea and say look i'm going to i'm going to bring cooking 
with keto and heavy metal together, and it's going to be my thing. Most, you know, business execs are going to be like, yeah, that's never going to work. Just good luck with that. But <laughs> you're super passionate about it, uh, and rightly so. And because you have that passion and you let that passion flow, people can just see it. Like it's it's your oxygen. And because you're passionate about it, because you're you're willing to dive deep into things that you care about, it it creates something that works and it creates an energy and a vibe that people want more of that that's why your your music's taken off your your cooking's taken off like everybody buys into the brand the story the documentation of that brand that you've built over the past several years and it's just super cool to see man like i i get i get sad when i look at people who have this just amazing passion and skill set but they can never believe that they could create a lifestyle around it uh, but the cool thing about businesses, especially once you start seeing success in business, like you realize that you can you can mold it to whatever you want it to be. And if you have passions for something, you can make that fit into your business and make it work. And then every single day is Saturday because every single day is something you're excited to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's uh, definitely possible. And if you have the passion and the drive, I, I definitely think there are ways to achieve what you're uh, you know trying to trying to do. Actually, yeah. Hundred percent. So let's dive into the music a little bit. You started doing death metal music, and how would you describe death metal music? Like for someone that is not a aficionado of death metal, what what would the genre be classified as? Well, let's just say it's. You know, I I never understood. People always think heavy metal music is loud, but that's not true. It's just it's extreme. You know, like uh, I'd say death metal is like the bodybuilding of fitness. You know, it's extreme. Mm-hmm. it's it's pushing the limit it's it's loud it's in your face it's you know it's uh it's a force it is something about the sound you know it, everything is faster it's harder uh you know like i mean if you want to compare it to something like maybe pop music you know pop music is i would say talks about you know the happy thing or you know sad heartbreak it's all slow and mellow and very melodic and the pace is much lower or it's slightly up tempo if it's dancey kind of stuff but like metal is just i would say it's aggressive totally it's funny because you know i i grew up listening to my dad's music which was all just you know classic rock and then i i started you know loving that genre and then i started branching out and listening to everything um but there's a couple of genres like i i just I don't, I don't know if it's because i just haven't listened to enough of it or, or what but i can't understand the dialogue so like with with a lot of death metal it's like screaming and I, I don't know if it's just because my ears aren't attuned to it, but I can't understand a single word most of them say. Like, is that something you just get used to and are you able to, to you know, dictate as you listen to more of it? Or how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, uh, you know, to some extent, yes, uh, your ears do get kind of accustomed to the sound of, you know, uh, those growling vocals or the screeching and the screaming. Um, but, the thing is, I, I don't know if all metal is just meant to be understood while you listen to it. Like, again, you know, there's there's a different uh, uh, musical appreciation for it. Like, it's not necessarily that with metal music, you're looking for that vocal hook to kind of uh, sing along to like you would with, say, pop music. Mm. Uh, you know, metal is for metal. For a lot of people, metal is it's what they hear in the guitar playing, in the drumming and I think with a lot of other genres of music, those are never the focus. They are just the sort of uh, backbone to the singing and the and just sort of taking the singing to be the song. Whereas in metal, it's it's about every instrument that's playing. And uh, 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's artistic, you know. It's 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 a niche genre. Like, not everyone is going to like the sound of metal, just like not everybody likes the sound of jazz or classical music or hip hop or uh, techno or you know dubstep. Like, the sounds that are used in the genre itself is not for everyone. You know, it is it is a niche genre. Like, you know, not everybody likes you know keto food not everybody likes vegan food not everybody likes carnivore mm-hmm. <laughs> every you know just like you have genres of diets you've got genres of music and uh, sometimes you know it just doesn't sit with you and that's that's absolutely cool you know it's fine it is it is a niche genre no i i can totally i mean i don't listen to a ton of it myself but i can totally respect it uh, and when you think about it like that like the the vocals become more so an instrument than a storyline uh, that makes a lot of sense for sure, and I feel like, like I, it's got to take a lot of skill, man. Like I don't know how you're able to to produce those like super guttural sounds, and your your throat just not be killing you afterwards. Like I, I'd be like if I'm in the gym and I'm screaming when I'm posing, I'm freaking like I can't talk for a week. <laughs> I don't know how you sing like that. Well, Robert, it's just like how you build those muscles of yours. You yeah, know? it's I mean, I can't imagine having your kind of muscles ever. Like, how do you produce those muscles? It's just <laughs> it's, it's, pra- it's practice. It's hard work. It's you know, it's it's a it's an art. Like, how does anyone play guitar? How does anyone play drums? How does anyone cook? So it's the same thing. Like, you know, you don't wake up and run a marathon. You wake up, you train a little bit, you start to develop some kind of uh, idea of how you run your rhythm and, and it's the same with vocals you develop your style you figure out how to do those vocals without you know affecting your throat you understand which muscles you need to use and how to use them without damaging what you're doing it's the same it's it's honestly it's like anything else i like it i like it and you're pretty much i mean you're you're able to play all the different musical instruments that it takes to create the music that you're producing right like you're you're a are, are you doing uh, like a one-man band kind of show, or do you have you have multiple people that you're <coughs> you're recording with? Well, so I, I started out 22 years ago as a one-man uh, band because the, I couldn't find musicians in Bombay to play the kind of music I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned drums, but it was only much later that I actually started recording myself playing drums. Um, and I do have different projects. So I mean, I had one project where I was the drummer. I had another project where I. Uh, did uh, vocals and played guitar and uh, there's my solo material which I started out doing all on my own so drums guitars vocals keyboard bass singing uh, and then I you know sort of started working with other musicians for that like some amazing drummers and my latest EP which I'm putting out now in the next well on 11th December it comes out that is all me once again that's me playing the drums the bass the guitar and doing all the singing and writing the lyrics and everything so when you're doing that, you have to basically record just multiple tracks. So I have one track that's just the drums, one track that's just the guitar, one track that's just the vocals, and then just put them all together in post and layer them accordingly? Yeah, pretty much. So that's I, that's how most modern music is recorded anyway. Like, I mean, there are very, f- I, I would say, bands getting together in a room and playing for like the final, final recording of their album is very rare these days. You know, I, I guess it's the advent of technology, making home recording easier, making, uh, you know, it possible to record your ideas at home and send it over to the other musicians you work with. Unlike back in the day when that was not an option, you know, your only option was to go and actually play with other musicians in the rehearsal room. So 
you know obviously as as the technology improved you could do more and more with the sound so actually recording every instrument separately one over the other is actually how i would say 90% of the music is recorded these days uh, for studio albums so gotcha. yeah i i mean i i just i start out with say like a guitar with a guitar with with the guitar i'll write the song on guitar then i'll you know take the guitar track and i'll just jam along to it on the drums i'll write my drum parts then i'll uh you know uh, record a rough track of it put some vocals bass etc and then i'll use those and i'll record everything one at a time for like the final recording that's awesome man so many so many different moving parts all at once i've got utmost respect for musicians because that is just a whole another dimension of creativity <laughs> that i just am not well versed in whatsoever so i've got utmost respect for you being able to do that and create something and produce something that all comes together like it does Thanks, man. I want to dive into your keto journey a little bit. So you said you were doing keto for three months, uh, started making the recipes. Those started to gain a lot of momentum. Um, where are you at with it now? Like, what's your take on nutrition? Like, what are you personally doing currently? Okay, so yeah, well, I'm personally right now kind of going towards more of a traditional diet, uh, which would be a low fat. uh high protein and what whatever amount of carbs fits into the rest of it mm-hmm. so a slightly more traditional calorie deficit actually let's just say what it is it's a calorie deficit <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh in in terms of macros that's what i was doing so i'm not really counting it as specifically as you know uh, i would like protein is the only macro i kind of focus on like okay if i need like 100 grams of protein i i'll kind of try and make sure at least from monday to friday that's what i'm putting into my system uh and i give myself room on saturday and sunday to kind of eat uh free range you know uh, if family wants to order from a restaurant i'll allow, my, allow myself to eat that but i'll just control the quantity so that i'm not overeating and and like being in some kind of crazy calorie surplus which you know uh, can happen quite often so that's what i'm doing personally right now um i think with keto like i said i started out i did 3 months i did vegan after that i went back to normal and i think a lot of this has to do with the fact that i've i've i guess struggled with weight so to speak you know um, i'm not obese by any means but i am definitely overweight and my weight loss journey actually started i'd say almost 10 years ago where i did calorie counting for about 3 or 4 years and i lost 12 kilos then i gained a little back i started keto uh, i did keto <clears throat> on and off for the first year then i took it a little more seriously uh, i was experimenting with vegetarian keto vegan keto uh, i even did carnivore i think at the end of 2017 maybe and i had actually reached uh, the lowest weight i had ever been and i think that point i kind of looked at myself in the mirror and realized that i just looked the same like i just looked like a smaller version of my uh, kind of uh slightly overweight self you know and that's kind of where the whole idea of exercise and working <coughs> on muscle building and things like that started to form in my head and again between touring with my band going on holidays i actually gained back all the weight i lost on keto and you know i i basically did the yo-yo dieting thing mm-hmm. you know uh and i i guess you could say that basically from then and now it's been a learning experience about diet nutrition fitness uh kind of trying to understand what works for me what makes sense you know what is sustainable 
uh, all those things. And I think um, it's, I think the main thing that I take away from the entire thing is that this is, there's no end to this. This, this is literally going to end the day that I die because, you know, fitness is forever, I think. And I think that understanding that this is now a long-term thing and there's no shortcuts to it and there's no easy way out and you just got to find something that you can do long-term is what I've taken away from the whole thing. Could not agree more, man. So you personally, you found that just kind of having a more of a traditional balanced macronutrient profile with carbs, fats, and proteins is just more more sustainable, more enjoyable for you? At least for now. Like, like again, I think I'm one of those people who just can't stick to one diet per se. And also, I guess, given the fact that I am a creator on YouTube with a keto channel and a non-keto food channel, uh, I'm constantly going to find myself doing things because I have channels and that is part of what I love to do also is to create that content. So whether it's trying a new diet or trying different foods, uh, that's going to be a part of it. But I think what I'm looking to do is find that balance where I, I don't go like completely off the the rails, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I'm not a, a chef by any means, but I would imagine that if your, you know, brand identity is is so wrapped into food creation as like an art form, you know, if you were to just stick to one specific protocol, like by definition, you're going to kind of cut some of those, that option, those variabilities out, um, which may not be the most conducive thing to uh, having the broadest, uh, you know, demographic for recipe creation. Um, so you've got headbangerskitchen.com, which has got a whole bunch of keto recipes. There is a tab on there for non-keto and you have a separate YouTube channel for the non-keto recipes or is it all in the same? No, no. So, um, like I said, you know, this was journey of discovery. So I kind of realized that Headbangers Kitchen has a keto audience and, you know, there's the option of sort of diluting uh, the channel with non-keto content, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And I just figured it made more sense to separate them. You know, when it comes to a website, it's a, it's a bit different because there's, it's very clearly demarcated as section. Yeah. But a YouTube channel is still kind of viewed as an entity, even if you have playlists and things like that, you know, and you set up uh, different sort of themes for things like you have your, I think your lives on Friday, you have uh, something else on a Wednesday and something else on, on a Monday. Mm -hmm. It's still under that one umbrella and you, your audience is, is there for that entire kind of umbrella, so to speak. So I think, Mine is more like two umbrellas, so it just made sense to kind of uh, demarcate the channels as well. Because I, I feel a lot of keto folk do get a bit triggered because I, I did a sort of announcement video that I was going off keto and starting the new channel. And I saw a bit of like, oh man, you're not doing keto, I can't follow your channel, bye-bye, like, okay. So I was like, oh, need to sort of just, I don't know, take a step back and just see what makes uh, sense. So yeah, I, I think it just made better sense for me to separate the two entities. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes it's it's crazy how so many people can get so personal with the type of content you put out. Like if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, great. But I, I'm just constantly amazed at how people are so willing to throw negativity at you if you're not doing what they want you to be doing. And you're putting out this content on YouTube for free. So it's like, who the hell are they to say what you can and can't do? Yeah, that's true, you know, but uh, I think people like this, once you are, a, you know, a creator, once you're in the public domain, there are always going to be expectations from you. Uh, there are always going to be demands of you. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like 
to me because i guess i come from music as well like as an artist yes i create whatever i want but i also realize that the audience plays an important part because you know you can be a creator but without your audience you are you are a bit lost but yeah i mean there are obviously people who take it to the extreme and i mean you know they get riled up over nothing and and yeah i mean there i've had so many people unsubscribe my cha- to my channel for like the like all kinds of re- reasons like because i don't uh you know listen, like because i play heavy metal music or because i say horns up and that's not a very christian thing <laughs> i mean there are like thousands of reasons people find to unsubscribe if they want to i guess like you said at the end of the day we just create what we feel is right for our brand and our channel and you know those who want to stick around will stick around and the rest will find something else totally man you got to just keep doing you brother um <coughs> i kind of want to dive into the whole concept of recipe creation as you know a, a business as an art form as a creative outlet so you're i mean like i said in the beginning there's i mean the, the keto recipes the keto blogs are like a dime a dozen right now um but i've always appreciated how your you know branding your color scheme your layout just the way you do the content looks very unique it's got you know a really contrasty look to it it just it stands out from the rest like it's not you mimicking some other you know company it's you being 100% you which i totally appreciate so i'd love to kind of just dive into you know your your workflow because i'm curious uh first and foremost this is a personal question uh but i'd love to just <laughs> yeah. kind of figure out how you structure things like totally geek out on like the camera equipment you use even like how do you set these up how do you what's your workflow like when you're creating a recipe um and just kind of like paint a picture there yes okay so i am the laziest person in the world uh <laughs> my philosophy my philosophy in life uh is to do the least amount of work and get the best amount of results from it you know uh work work smarter not harder i guess that's what the saying is right mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah like i said you know when i when i sort of gave up on the old idea of the channel with the heavy metal interviews and things like that uh <coughs> sorry at that point itself i had i decided that i needed a setup that i could do on my own so i have a small kitchen and the reason we never filmed there is because it was too small uh you know cuz you can only film from the left side because the windows on the left side and the light comes straight onto uh, the stove and there's one small light in the kitchen mm-hmm. so it was not conducive to shoot there when we had a team because they couldn't get uh, you know top shots of the food they couldn't get uh, right side shots they couldn't do close there's no place to move you know mm-hmm. there was no place to put lights cuz we used to work with lights earlier so when i uh, when i when i started doing everything on my own i was like okay i got one camera uh i just got to learn how to position it so i would film the food separately <clears throat> once i'm done with all the filming the photographs and all then i put my camera in front of my washing machine which faces me <laughs> and i i just look into the camera i do the intro uh i'll i'll take the plate i'll taste the food i'll do my little 20 second outro at the end of it and then i'll bring the camera right up to my face and i'll just like i'll uh, improv the recipe like i'll speak out the recipe gotcha. and then, <laughs> that's that's how i film it so then i just have to put uh, you know the the talking po- portions on a track in my editor cut that down to the right right uh, length of audio so i know that okay it took me 5 minutes to recite the recipe and then i'll cut all the footage to that 
uh, that voiceover. So it just makes my life quite easy that way. Uh, you know, because I, I didn't have a computer that could handle like a crazy software like Premiere Pro or uh, Final Cut Pro or something. So I got a very simple, easy to use, does the job, uh, you know, uh, software called Power Director. So I've been using that. Uh, in the start, I didn't have a microphone even for the camera. So I would be shouting, like I would be <laughs> screaming at the top of my voice. And I actually got that habit from uh, being a metal musician. So when you're in the metal scene, everyone who comes to interview you for a college project or a documentary they are making or some some website they want to do an interview for, they're always some young person with not a lot of gear and they always ask you to speak up. So I actually got really used to shouting on camera. And now because I have a lapel and I have a better mic, so I'm trying to get myself to not shout as much on camera. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's basically my workflow. I, I And I have a limited time to shoot because, so I live at home with my parents uh, and in India, everyone has maids. So we have a maid who comes and does the cooking. So my kitchen is actually occupied till about 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So literally from 1 p.m. to about 4 or 5 p.m. when the light is okay to shoot, that's my time where I'm allowed to cook in the kitchen and, and basically take over. So, yeah, that's a bit of my routine there. And then once I'm done, I'll edit the pictures, edit the uh, the video, which I try and get done in one hour or one and a half to two hours at best and write out the blog post and then do all the social media stuff. And yeah, so that's that's most, most of how it goes. I freaking love it, man. Like so many people I feel are just like, debilitated by the the idea that they have to have this super extravagant setup with all the expensive camera <coughs> gear and like all this this help to be able to produce a quality you know finished product or content and you know i freaking love it when you have these people that are just putting out amazing content that looks super polished and it's done with just the the basic bare bones minimum equipment and setup i mean that's the same with me, man. Like I started doing podcasts in my closet because that was the only place that I could do them <laughs> using a black beach towel as the backdrop with my cell phone as the camera. Like those kind of stories, I mean, you got to start somewhere and then you figure out as you grow what people respond best to, what seems to look professional, what works, what's repeatable, what's scalable. So the fact that you're doing all of this by yourself in a small little bitty kitchen with the camera in front of your washing machine you know, in between <laughs> your parents or your maid using the kitchen. That's awesome, man. I freaking love it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if you look, if you go back to my channel and you look at the videos, you'll see the, the growth as a as a creator as well in terms of, uh, you know, the, the quality of the video, the editing skills, the voiceover, even the way I present the show, uh, you know, the intro, the flow of it and everything. Like, I mean, I remember so many old videos. If you look at them now, they're all yellow. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't even think about white balance when I was filming. I just put the camera on. I may not have even realized that somebody had changed the white balance because they were filming or using my camera for something. Or maybe I changed it. Who knows? But like <laughs> you'll find all these videos of mine which are like crazy yellow and like heavy on the, the white balance being completely off. But you know what? That's all part of like... Uh, your journey as a creator. I mean, it, it's exactly the same with my music. If I go back now and listen to my first ever song, it's terrible. It's awful. It's it's crap. <laughs> and and it just, I mean, you just get better. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's the journey. That's you 
and your creativity at that point in your life you know and not everyone starts out being like absolutely pro from the first video totally totally talk to me about your book man so you wrote the book keto life i've got a copy i'm looking at it right now you did all the own all of your own recipes all of your own photography of those foods right like all that is just basically filmed and created and shot at your place currently correct uh yes yeah, so i didn't do the photos this time uh <clears throat> i've done photos for previous books but for this book um i decided to actually hire a photographer um and a stylist as well so uh, i had this guy called alok who's a great food stylist uh he's on instagram is all about that palette and uh, i had a friend who's not actually a food photographer he's just a photographer but he said look if you want some help doing your book i'll be happy to do it so i was like yeah sure man his name is sunil and he is c inside a shell uh in on instagram and uh they were they were basically doing the the photos while i did all the cooking because um this book was literally done in 6 days the photography of it whoa and uh, yeah so it was insane we were working like i was working like 7 in the morning to 11 in the night uh because um like i had already like so this book is my 100 best recipes so there there it's basically my best of you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> from the from the youtube channel so i knew that i had to remake them because i i once again very bad with backups lot of hard drives that had failed and simply because i became a better photographer over the years i didn't have quality photos of high enough resolution for all the dishes that i could repurpose or reuse Gotcha. And also, since it was redone recipes, it just made sense that I reshot them and had them all looking the best they could. So I had to basically cook and shoot all the dishes across six days uh, because it just—I I don't know—it it was on a deadline. So I was basically cooking in the morning from seven a.m. twenty-five dishes a day for about five or six days. We did it, and yeah, I would basically go shopping, come back, start cooking. These guys would come to my house at eleven o'clock. and i just start throwing out the dishes one at a time as they were ready these guys would take a dish they'd style it they'd set it up they'd shoot it and wait for me to send out the next one so six days got it all done how long did it take you to to write the content so the content was actually written because the recipes are all existing recipes so in terms of having to write or create all the recipes it was not much work it was a uh, couple of days work at best i think and plus my wife uh, helped me a lot with the book so she's actually a journalist a writer and uh, she refuses to take credit for any work she does she's like no 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 it's your thing so but but she was really instrumental in helping uh, put all the writing together gotcha gotcha awesome man awesome i like it um uh, what do you think about like just the i'd i'd be curious to get your take on this because i feel like like I said a million times already that there's so many keto cookbooks and recipes out there do you feel like that is a saturated niche market or do you feel like there's still a ton of opportunity there like, do you feel like because I think at some point you know you can only cook a chicken so many different ways um it's like it almost gets repetitive like how do you how, what what advice would you have to someone that's wanting to get into the keto recipe genre Okay so I mean look I definitely think the keto space is getting saturated but I guess it's it's not going to be as saturated as the non keto space right like the general cookbooks I mean I think cooking is is such a broad subject you know and even in keto I guess 
you know recipe creators have their style mm-hmm. so i think um if i guess for anyone who wants to write a cookbook uh looking for a niche is very important and i think right now uh at least from whatever i've seen and i it may also be because a lot of my audience is us based but a lot of it is based around that kind of cuisine and that kind of food whereas the world is your oyster you know there is indian food there's chinese food there's japanese food there's african food there's german food there's uh french cooking there's you know south american cooking i mean like the amount of cuisine and food that is available in the world today there's no limit to what you can create you know i mean tomorrow who knows you could be the biggest selling keto filipino cookbook you know yeah because totally. there's mexican keto mexican food could be your thing you know uh, i think there was there's some uh, there's a lady who has a southern cooking cookbook you know like uh, yeah. uh, I, i i don't remember her name but i think she's one of the actual like best sellers on amazon in, in the keto space uh but yeah like you know finding niches like that how, how do you go about like how, how do you personally go about coming up with new recipes without cuz i'm assuming like you can't just come up with something totally blank i mean i'm sure you can come up with some of them totally blank in your head but i would imagine that like you see another recipe put out by another creator <coughs> and you just take that and you put your own interesting spin on it like how do you avoid having unique fresh content while also not you know kind of plagiarizing i guess it's the appropriate word for like somebody else's recipe that you're drawing inspiration from like how do you flirt that line as a recipe creator yeah so i i think the thing with recipes is unfortunately recipes are something that are actually not really copyright like you cannot copyright a recipe so to speak mm-hmm. uh because it's a set of ingredients that are being put together to create something what you can copyright is the writing so if you have written out a recipe in a particular way with you know the instructions in a particular way that you can copyright but the actual recipe itself you can't copyright you know it's like how do you copyright the recipe for a hamburger yeah you can't yeah that makes so sense so it's the same with yeah so it's the same with uh, all these recipes in my case what i like to do is i like to just watch cooking videos and I watch cooking videos across um all styles of cooking. Uh you know it it could be this uh New York deli serves incredible pastrami and I'll see their pastrami and I'll be like okay pastrami and I'll watch 100 pastrami videos and I'll see what are the common ingredients that they're using. I'll read a little bit about the history of it to see what are the main components and then I'll you know do it in my kitchen and say okay this worked I like this I didn't like this I'll change this up try it like this and I'll come to my recipe you know uh, a lot of times um I mean for example like things like tandoori chicken butter chicken indian food um this is stuff like I know that I I love to eat that so I learned how to make it from again watching six seven different recipes realizing that okay they're all using these four ingredients and two of these guys are using these extra ones and that guy is not using this and again doing your version of it so uh, a lot of times i'll pick a i'll pick a cuisine like you know okay thai food i'm going to just do all the classic thai recipes or i'll do all the classic indian food uh, i'll do all the classic hungarian dishes so i mean there's a thousand ways to you know find out or find inspiration to make a recipe 
and and of course the other one is the fans themselves you know who will constantly be like hey man can you make this can you make this can you make this can you make this can you make a keto version of this so i mean i just have like a draft email where i just keep throwing down ideas and whenever i'm like okay you know i want to make a video now i'll just go to that list and say okay what do i want to eat for lunch today let's do that <laughs> no i totally totally understand man i feel like it all boils down to having your own style uh, for how you deliver the content. You know, I've thought about, you know, creating a bunch of training tutorial videos, for instance. That's that's definitely within my niche and area of expertise. But I, I find myself, you know, saying like, why would I want to create a bunch of, you know, exercise videos on how to do bicep curls? There's so many of that online already. But I feel like, you know, if I offer my own unique twist uh, to that, it, yeah. it still is able to add value. And I can see the same thing being true with, with recipes. So simply having your own you know, creative flair to the content you're producing, which for you, you know, case in point, having the heavy metal as like the, the backdrop for all the content you're putting out there. I mean, it would be very hard for somebody to copyright that because that's just totally you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was actually just about to make the analogy to uh, like training programs and mm -hmm. you mentioned it because like, you know, like how do you copyright a dumbbell curl? Like, you know, I mean, you can't copyright a squat, you can't copyright uh, lunges, you can't copyright any of this. You know, what makes it unique is you as a trainer, how you arrange those exercises, how you plan the workout splits, how you, uh, you know, uh, focus on, you know, certain aspects of those exercises and how they may be done, whether that's time under tension or how slow or fast you do it, how many reps you do. So, you know, yeah, like it's the same thing. You can't copyright like basic stuff. Totally, totally. I want to switch gears a little bit and kind of wrap the podcast up with a open table discussion as to how... 2020 has affected you especially as regards to like with you being in bombay and just you know the the virus like what what are things like for you there i'm I'm so you know stuck in my own echo chamber subconsciously by being here in the states with all the political you know crap that's going on all the all the everything that's going on i'd be curious to get your take on just what everything's looking like uh just coming from a different country entirely yeah, so man, it's not much better here. To be very honest, we have the same problems in politics, the same problem uh, with everything. I mean, we've got, we've, I, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just a state that the US level and it's, it's actually the same. It's just that in India, uh, you know, you can kill somebody and get away with it. But like the cases are rising here like crazy amounts. Uh, we've had over 100,000 people dead. But the thing is in India, because everything is so uh like there's no I, I don't know how to put it it's like we just don't care uh you know like in india if you break a traffic signal you can bribe the cop and you know uh yeah. just drive away so what that does is like it leaves for a lot of discrepancies in what the reality is because i, I know someone who died of covid but the family wanted to do the last rite. So they bribed the police and got a non-COVID death certificate and got to do the last rites of the family member. So, you know, things like this are like they're blatant here. Like in India, like if you like I went to the customs office because they stopped a parcel of mine. And the guy there would will blatantly show me a figure on his calculator saying, look, if you bribe me, it's this much. And if you want to pay the actual stuff, so we are a very corrupt country that way, you know? Wow, I didn't so know that I, was going on. Yeah, and I'm talking, I live in a city. I live in a big city. 
uh, which is you know it's like the New York or the London of the world. <laughs> it's 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 one of the major metros, and and I mean yeah, you can get away with bloody murder here. So unfortunately, you know uh, the the cases are still rising, but I think uh, even with the amount of possible fudged deaths i think india indians in general i think have better immunity to the disease uh, so maybe that's why our death is not as bad as it possibly could be or maybe it isn't and we're just not seeing because i know how so many people that just like if they had mild symptoms they were not even tested they'd just be told to go home and sit tight you know uh, but we have all the same problems we've got those anti-mask idiots roaming around like i'm just like i am just waiting for the flat earth society to show up in india soon you know <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's 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 equally nuts here all i've been able to do is i've stayed at home as much as possible uh you know i i'm one of the privileged people who uh can stay at home can afford to stay at home because look india is is a lot of people are you know really not well off financially they are in bad situations so they don't have an option of staying at home they have to go and do some kind of work otherwise they will starve uh, you know so like you are seeing people out there people doing jobs i mean i went to a government office today and nobody was wearing a mask properly like they're all wearing masks but half of them have it pulled down below their nose and in india because of the population social distancing is not an option yeah like if anyone watching wants to understand what i'm talking about just look for a uh, mumbai local train you see the crowd that is in a local train in bombay you will understand what i'm talking about like even if you took out 50% of the population of this city you would fill a train compartment on a normal day there is no it's 20 million people i think in a space meant for like 2 million maybe Yeah, that that's insane, man. Like I feel yeah, I mean, I'm in Arkansas, so there's like not much population here. Um so I can't even imagine like the day-to-day that would that would entail with that dense, you know, population growth there. What do you feel like is is do you feel like the the media there has done much in the way of, you know, talking about the importance of having, you know, a proper diet, healthy immune system, like having more of a proactive take on just improving your overall health or is it much more acute and not really focusing on that at all no no indian media doesn't care about all this stuff indian media i don't even know where to begin man it is like your like you take the, the like the channels are literally funded by the right wing fascist government um you know while there are people dying of the virus while there are so many pressing matters that need the attention like so in, i i guess you and i can both agree that you know food is the core is the cornerstone of society you know without our farmers without our agricultural uh leg we have no food to eat you know they are they should be the most important part of society mm-hmm. uh you know like we had farmers protesting uh you know new bills that were being passed and the media the part of the media especially the one that is funded by the government that is basically the mouthpiece of most of the government literally took no attention to those issues instead they found one of our bollywood actors who committed suicide and they turned that into a circus like you have never seen like i i i there's no way for me to even like if you saw it you would be just like 
is this is this real is this even happening in the world today you know uh so it's pretty bad like it's the media like i don't even have cable anymore i don't watch the news i just like uh it's 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 pretty bad like twitter yeah. is just filled with like hate and like just it's nuts man it's just it's not so in india it's like if it's got to do with health and fitness they're normally promoting some pseudo science some uh, ashram babu guru baba who's you know probably <laughs> running some scam of his own like it's crazy man it's like i said you know you can buy your way out of anything in this country yeah it's crazy cuz like i feel you know like with, <laughs> with the internet with social media there's just been this massive you know spread of really good knowledge and really great content that has just totally amplified our ability to make massive headway as a society as a as a species but then there's such a double edged sword with that because just as it amplifies the good that is spread it seems to double down on the the negative the lies just all the the darkness as well and for whatever reason the darkness is always much more popular than the light so that seems to spread at an even faster rate and it's almost to the point where it's like okay let's let's, let's take a breather here is social media is media in general resulting in a net gain or a net loss and i think we're at this weird tipping point at which you know it's it's becoming more and more compelling to argue that it's a net loss yeah no i would definitely agree with you and i think if you watch that uh, documentary the social dilemma mm-hmm. like even though i mean there is a bit of uh, dramatization in that and it may be potentially put out in a little scarier way than it actually is but it is not far from the truth you know uh, i mean when you can turn like in india whatsapp is a disease like uh, not like more than anything on the internet in india whatsapp is is like a weapon like you could get somebody dead in an hour by one whatsapp message spread to the wrong people i kid you not like we have had cases of people being lynched you know one whatsapp forward saying that this person is uh doing something and like literally those people have got mob lynched and killed on the spot no jokes that's insane man it's such it's such a such a strange time cuz like there is there much uh i mean i feel like there's a lot more political oversight toward that inhibits people's uh you know freedom of speech is that is that the truth or is that not the case no no it's true we've had journalists who have been murdered straight out cold blood murdered for uh you know like speaking truth to power like we've had in the last 6 months to a year so many activists journalists just arrested under vague laws like we've let me put it this way there's a student students from colleges who have been part of protests you know like just like you had the uh, black lives matter mm-hmm. protests in america we had protests against the citizenship amendment act here so students who have voiced their dissent students and i'm talking about young kids like 18 19 2021 put in jail with no bail with no legit cause of arrest okay they all the protests were peaceful but these people were put in jail because there's some archaic law that was passed years ago and on the flip side you've got actual politicians who have instigated riots where people have been murdered this is all in the last one year i'm talking about like we have watched these things happen live in front of us on tv on 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 updates on twitter like it's it is scary and and those politicians have been giving hate speeches instigating people with the police standing next to them and they have walked free they have held like you know 
like it's in i mean you know what i'm talking about right like yeah it's yeah just, it's, it's it's scary man it's like you you don't know if it makes more sense like like could would you be doing the best if you were you know really diving super super deep into all this stuff learning about all the the chaos all the corruption trying to educate yourself trying to educate others like is that where your time and energy is best spent or is your time and energy best spent you know like looking uh towards what you what you personally know and can contribute from a positive value standpoint like should you just focus on making more music and making more recipes or should you double down and learn all the stuff that's going on it's like this weird dilemma because you know i don't want to contribute to the negativity but i feel like i'm being you know playing the ignorant card if i don't dive deeper it's like this damned if you do damned if you don't kind of scenario yeah and that's true right like at the end of the day look at it this way i can choose to not take part in the, in the protests that took place in india because i i had nothing to lose like it was it was an act that was going to not affect me in any way because i had everything i needed mm-hmm. but what about those who are less fortunate who don't have the chance you know for them there is no option right like you know uh, like for black people in america it's not an option to sit out the protests they are the ones at the receiving end of 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 the injustice you know so, so as somebody else who's not part of that yes you can say okay you know what i, I can just choose to be in my space because at the end of the day i don't want to be political and that's something that is is said a lot like the option of being non political is a privilege you know yeah. so i i can say tomorrow oh the politics is too much i'm getting and i've had so much like like i've seen it in small forms simply because i eat beef for example i've seen i've been attacked for that by people online you know uh and and i've seen like i've i've posted statuses on facebook and i've literally been attacked by a right wing troll army flooding me with like the most hateful comments and vile stuff you can imagine you know and i can say yeah man i don't want any part of this you know because i have the option to stay silent uh but somebody else who's going to be at the receiving end who's going to be lynched in public for eating beef or suspected eating beef someone who's going to be deported to a detention center because they don't have documents from 70 years ago they don't have an option to sit and say yeah i can ignore what's happening in politics so you're right it is a double edged sword and i think the most important thing is to recognize that privilege and to at least stand by the people who could use our support you know in whatever way whether it's a small way or a big way so for me i i made sure i went out for every protest even though in my city the protests were peaceful there was nothing crazy happening it would have literally made probably no difference had i been there or not been there but at least i did my bit you know that's what i could do at that point and i did it you know totally so, man yeah i mean and it's it's kind of like it's it's crazy because and i'm sure it's the same there too but even like in here in in the states it's like there's so much dishonesty flowing that there's hidden agendas that you would never even know were there at first glance so like a protest may you know at, at at surface level represent one thing and you you get all behind that cause but there's like this total underlying dimension of what it's actually trying to accomplish that people don't know at the onset and it just becomes very very muddy and i just feel like at least here in the states there's just so much dishonesty that nobody even knows where they stand because they're pretty much yeah they're they're pretty yeah, much just out of luck yeah but that's the thing no you know what. robert 
but but that's what i want to say what i also point out is like so that's the same thing that happens in india so you see i like I, and i'm saying this because i know cuz i was there in the protests so you have peaceful protesters there it takes one person to throw a brick to throw a stone to start something mm-hmm. you know it takes that one incident and then you've got your biased media take that one incident flip it and turn the 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 issue to something else right like that's exactly what it becomes it it it's 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 how it's all concocted by people like look nobody's going to go out and protest because they just bored out of their mind nobody has an like there are very few people that have an agenda because putting a protest together is no joke or anything you know even if it's a fight in parliament or anywhere it but it's like the right wing here in india is so devious like imagine if if we had a riot where you know the like the muslims are the minority in india they are the ones persecuted here because they are the minority but the right wing here constantly puts fear into the minds of the hindu people that you know oh the muslims are procreating they are building their population they are taking over they are marrying our hindu girls and you literally convince the majority who is completely safe that they are the victims that they are in danger and you have you have just changed the whole equation so then when somebody protests it takes one stone from one person to start the fire and then shift the whole narrative and make the aggressor the victim you know it's like it's like if if somebody got mugged and suddenly the robber is the victim in the in the crime that's literally what they do you know mm-hmm. it, that's it's... literally what happened and it's global i've seen it in in the uk in the usa i've seen it in any country that's fight and that's the what we talk about social media right when you turn lies into facts and you get people to believe them like and then they believe that that's the fact right and nothing can change it yeah that that's that's what's you know really coming to the forefront here and just talking to you man i mean like you know you're on the literal other end of the world that i am here um and and you spoken as to the radical right making the most noise you know there in india it seems like it's the radical left that's causing a lot of the the noise here i mean it's obviously both sides but uh that there's a stark contrast there but regardless it's all global and we're all being affected in some way or another and it just it just goes to show that you can't you can't partition off all these areas of your life and say okay that's only affecting them and doesn't touch me at all doesn't impact me at all i mean here you are and here i am total opposite ends of, of the spectrum globally speaking and we're all being negatively affected by what's happening right now and it's just a sad reality man so i think we owe it to you know our fellow human being not fellow american not fellow indian just fellow human to figure out what the hell's going on and then be civil in the the you know approach to that so we can learn more we can educate more we can we can have a conversation i'm truly amazed yeah. at how people lack just the civil decency to sit down with someone of opposing viewpoints and just talk it out like this is something i learned in freaking you know first grade i don't know why adults and leaders of different nations can't get that together now yeah that's cuz they don't want to sit down and talk no they want to eliminate you see that that's why we you know people always say oh you know we have disagreeing opinions and we should be able to talk but your disagreeing opinion on pizza toppings is is something we can you know live with like if you say keto is my way of life and i say you know what i've done with keto we can that's okay you know but human rights those are things that there's no there's no like 
how do you have middle ground on that right all somebody wants to do is exist and have a decent life right like who wants a shitty life mhm all, all you want is food on your table your family safe you safe a roof on your head and and that's all like a human being wants and why is that so hard to give people you know totally totally man well you you've given me a lot to think about uh for sure like i'm i'm going to dive more into what's going on in india right now cuz i'm curious to gain just more perspective overall um i mean people in america definitely get so tunnel vision as to what's going on in their backyard that they don't oftentimes realize that this is much broader than that so i i, I really appreciate you taking time to jump on here and just kind of share some of the insight as to what's going on in your neck of the woods um oh, anytime man yeah for sure what let's end on on a some a positive note man what, what are you excited <laughs> about going forward like what what's your big thing uh, right now what what's got you amped up so um you know i've i'm right now really excited about the ep that i'm putting out um that comes out on 11 december it will be on spotify apple music all platforms uh, it will be under my uh, name demon stealer which is my <laughs> music name uh, demon stealer for those watching or listening sorry uh and i'm also i'm actually quite excited about uh, my non keto channel i'm doing a lot of fun stuff on there trying some different diets uh reviewing food and i'm also excited to actually get back to doing some new videos for headbangers kitchen uh you know january is the time where everybody's just like you know i'm done with my cheat meals it's time to get back onto the diet uh so i'm hoping to put out some good keto resources for all those people who are planning to jump back onto the keto bandwagon in january so uh you know maybe some meal plans maybe some uh, uh fun cuisine that you know uh, people want to try out and things like that so yeah i i i'm basically just going to be a content ch- like machine awesome man i love it content is king for sure is there any way i can get like a clip of one of your new tracks and i'll put that in the intro and outro of the podcast so that's kind of how the podcast starts and ends that way we can jam out to that uh, as opposed to the yes. normal the normal music absolutely i will send you a link to four songs you can pick whichever one you like and have that uh, in the <laughs> Uh, in the podcast. Awesome man, I love it. I love it. Well, Sahil brother, it's always a pleasure talking to you. It's it's cool to see what you're working on. It's cool to just, you know, dive deeper into into what's going on in your world, your neck of the woods. You know, I feel like I feel like having a appreciation for others' perspective, others just, you know, story and what they're doing is is super key. So, always a pleasure catching up with you man. If there's ever anything I could do for you, just let me know, brother. For sure man and it's always a pleasure talking to you as well so I'm glad we did this 2 years later rather than 4 <laughs> or 5 uh, was good chatting and catching up man so hey man we'll yeah, do it again too one day hopefully someday uh, in person when we either you're in bombay or I'm in your neck of the woods yeah absolutely man anytime you're if you ever find yourself in arkansas you just let me know and I'll show you how to or I'll let you show me how to cook properly <laughs> <laughs> and we can jam out to some music done for sure man Take care brother. All right you too man. Cheers.